Holy Spirit, from the sermon series, Faith Foundations, spoken by Pastor Peter on. Today, I really do have the honor of talking to you about the Holy Spirit. Now, in the American church, there has been a tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't you agree with that? There has been a tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit, and I don't know why. I, I, I don't know what it is, or what is it about the Holy Spirit that for many of us, some of us, we consider it to be an option in our spiritual journey that the Holy Spirit is some sort of an option. And it shouldn't be an option. In fact, when you have received the Holy Spirit and all of you have received the Holy Spirit, that's the truth. If you are a Christian today and you say you believe in Jesus Christ, that wouldn't have happened unless the Holy Spirit came upon you to show you that. So when you said yes to Jesus for the very first time, what you need to realize is that is what we call in the theological term, baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit baptized you and you were able to understand that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, all right? That is a baptism. Now as Christians, it's important for us to constantly realize that though we were baptized by the Holy Spirit, we still need to be filled, constantly filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Because we can go on empty sometimes, all right? And so there needs to be a constant filling of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit does take residence in our lives. But for some of us, we've ignored this third person in the Godhead. And we, we think it's sort of an option, and that's really an alarming reality. Now, for some of us, we look at the Holy Spirit, and there's a sense of fear that we have with the Holy Spirit. We're afraid of the Holy Spirit. I've been pastoring this church since its inception, and I've heard a lot of people say, I'm afraid of the Holy Spirit, Peter. I'm afraid. And maybe that comes from the fact that you grew up in a tradition where you saw people engage with the Holy Spirit in such a way where it was actually supernatural. And because it wasn't natural, it kind of freaked you out a little bit. And you weren't sure if this is something that you wanted to engage in because maybe you heard somebody speak in different tongues. Maybe you heard people yelling. Maybe back in the 80s, there was something called, I don't know if you remember this, for those who are older might remember this. Have you guys, do you remember the Toronto blessing? Does that ring a bell for anyone? That there was a movement happening in Toronto through the vineyard movement and people were literally like being slain in the spirit. They're rolling around the in the ground, some people were barking, you know, like dogs. And so it was just kind of odd. And people saw this and said, there's something odd here. And maybe you come from a tradition that you saw that and it caused a sense of fear. I get it. I get it. But also there might be some of you where you're afraid of the Holy Spirit. Let's just be real. Let's just be honest. You're afraid that if God works in your life, there is this thought in your mind that you think God is gonna tell you to do something you don't wanna do. Like he's gonna lead you towards a path of hardship and misery. And I think in many ways, the enemy wants you to believe that. Because if God created you and you believe he created you, why do you think what God will call you to do would be something that would lead you to a life of just hardships and struggle? Yeah, I do believe that when God calls you to do something, it's not gonna be necessarily easy. Even Jonah ran away from his calling to go to Nineveh. And he got sucked up by a whale, but eventually when Jonah did follow the calling that God had placed upon his life, he saw the beauty and the wonder of it. And that's the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit, this third person in the Godhead, all right? This third person in the Godhead. So what I wanna do today is this. I wanna talk to us about, first of all, who is the Holy Spirit? Let's get to know who the Holy Spirit is, all right? Let's get to know what the Holy Spirit is all about. And then we're gonna talk about 
how can we get to a place where we can engage deeper so that the Holy Spirit can be fully active and be fully present in your life and in my life? That's the hope that I do uh, wish to uh, gain and hope that we can accomplish today. All right, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at John chapter 14. Now, if you read John 14 to 16, that could be a good assignment for you this week. Those are some really beautiful chapters where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. And I love it, and I want to focus on these chapters because I want to I want to focus on Jesus teaching us about the Holy Spirit and how we can engage with the Holy Spirit. All right, verse 15 of chapter 14 of John. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. This is the word of God. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would come and that you would speak to us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that as we look at this text, that you would help us to truly learn who you are and that we would truly have a longing for you in our lives, that we would see it as a non-negotiable to continue to exist as a Christian and not engage fully with the Holy Spirit. So God, I pray that the words that come out of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts in this room, I do pray that it will be pleasing unto you. And it's in your name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Now the word Holy Spirit in the Greek is the word parakletos. And we get that word in the English called paraclete. I don't know if you've ever used the word paraclete. It's a Latin phrase. And what parakletos means, literally in the Greek, it means um, called alongside, all right? And in ancient Greek literature, it's an advocate who appears with you in court and he will speak on your behalf or also give you legal counsel, all right? So the Holy Spirit is your advocate. That is his role and that is his purpose. What type of advocation does the Holy Spirit do? What does he advocate on? Right? That's an important question. Here it is. The Holy Spirit's primary purpose is to advocate God's presence and the truths of Jesus in your life. That is the Holy Spirit's purpose. The Holy Spirit's purpose is your advocate. He is your parakletos. He's called alongside of you to do what? So that you can engage with God's presence and so you can also learn the truths of Jesus Christ. Not just in the Bible, but also truths for your future. We're going to look at passages that affirm that. That is the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit. And so I ask you, why wouldn't you and I want to engage in that? Why wouldn't we want the Holy Spirit to advocate God's presence in our life and also speak the truths of Jesus into our life? 
Why would we opt out of it or think we don't need to engage in it? I mean, it's kind of like we have the winning lotto ticket, but none of us wants to cash it in. Like we have it, Jesus has given it to us. Why would we be afraid of something that Jesus calls a gift to you and me? Don't you want to experience the presence of God in your life? I mean, if you were here to worship today and you sang some songs and you sensed God in your heart, folks, that is the Holy Spirit working in your life. He is being the conduit where you can connect with the very presence of God. That is a beautiful thing, right? And the Holy Spirit's job is to also advocate the very truths of Jesus Christ to you so that you can live in truth, not in lies. That is what the Holy Spirit's purpose is, so that you could hear the truths that Jesus may want to communicate with you, and so that you can live in the truth and not in lies. Because for so many of us, I don't know about you, but it's easy to live in lies. It's easy to believe in a lie, and it's easy to not only believe in a lie, it's easy to live for a lie. We do that all the time. Some of us, we actually believe that if we work hard and make a lot of money, become successful, we think that's going to really fulfill our lives. Now, I don't have a lot of money, but I know people who do. And they have told me, all of them, they have told me that when you have a lot of money, it doesn't fulfill, it doesn't really satisfy. Yes, it's nice to not worry about bills, but it doesn't satisfy. In fact, this one person said to me, you get more problems. The problems just increase, all right? Some of you believe in the lie, you're, you're constantly, constantly living your life so that you can be successful and make a lot of money. And if I would just, if you can just allow me to push you a little bit, a lot of you are raising your kids for that. A lot of you are raising your children to live a lie, to believe that the American dream is the dream of God, and it's just not. It's not, we believe in those lies. Some of you who might be single, you believe in a lie that once you, get, once you find somebody that you can date and then eventually get married, that your life is gonna feel truly fulfilled. Married couples, is that true? Yeah, oh, take it easy. Take it easy. Take it easy, man. All right. And I know some of you are here with your spouse, you're like, I ain't gonna say anything right now because if I say no, she's gonna be like, what? Or he's gonna be like, what? Listen, marriage is great. Trust me, it's great. It really is. But I want you to know something, married couples, and especially you single people. If you think a spouse is gonna fill the void that's in your heart, it's not gonna happen. It just doesn't happen, and that's the problem. The only thing that can fill the void in your heart is actually Jesus Christ. That's it. And so whether you're single, whether you're married, you have everything you need to live a fulfilled, complete life in God, yes. all right? So that's why Jesus, that's why the Holy Spirit advocates the truths of Jesus, so that you don't live for lies, that you can live in truth. And some of us, we've gone through some really hard things in our lives, and we constantly live under shame, and there's this constant reminder, we hear these voices all the time, making us feel like we're nothing but a mistake, that we're always lesser than other people, and these are lies of the enemy. So the Holy Spirit's job is to advocate God's presence and his truth into your life. You know what else he advocates for us on? That when you and I are struggling, I love this, the Holy Spirit will go on behalf of us and advocate to the Father and to the Son on behalf of us. I, look at what it says in Romans 8.26. I love this, Romans 8.26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness 
For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. How amazing is that? That when you're struggling, when you're feeling tremendously weak, and sometimes, I don't know about you, if, do you ever struggle and be like, I don't even know what to pray about at this moment. I don't know what topic, I don't know how to pray right now at this moment. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, he will advocate, he will go to the Father and the Son, and he will pray for you with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. That is a powerful, powerful truth. That is a powerful truth. Right? The Holy Spirit is there to advocate the presence of God and also allow you and I to learn of the truths that Jesus wants us to learn in his word, but also for our lives as we live it every single day. John 16, verse 13 and 15. Look at how specific Jesus gets about the role of the Holy Spirit. Look at what he says. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And this is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So the Holy Spirit is a conduit. When Jesus wants to speak to us about our lives, truths about our lives, for the present and for the future, the Holy Spirit, the God, the Jesus will speak to the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit will speak to us. That is the role of the Holy Spirit. So there's no reason for you to be afraid when his purpose is to advocate God's presence and also speak the truths of Jesus Christ in your life and in my life. And that's why none of us should ever get to a place where you see the Holy Spirit as an option. You should engage fully. It's a gift in what Jesus Christ has given to us. Many years ago, um, my family and I, we went out to uh, California just for a family vacation right after Easter, and we spent a, a little over a week out there and before we went out there, my mother had been sick for a little while. And uh, just, she got a, we thought it was just a common flu or a cold. And so she was struggling. And I took her to the doctors and he drew some blood and he said, I'll give you a call. I'll let you know if, there's any, if anything comes up. And, uh, and he called her and said, hey, it's fine. And so we just thought, okay, well, that's good. And so we, we went to California. My mother was home. And I checked, on, I checked in on her pretty regularly. And I said, hey, uh, are you okay? Like, how are you doing? And she kept telling me, like, she's getting worse. She's not feeling good. And so I said, you know what, maybe we should go to a different doctor, not your, your, your regular doctor, but a different one, and maybe they will be able to check you out and give you a different opinion. And so uh, one of her friends took her to the doctor, drew some blood, and he said that he'd call if there, was anything, if there were any issues. You know how some doctors do that? They don't have time to call everyone. So they'll say, if I see an issue, I'll call you. Well, he didn't call us. I didn't think anything of it. I thought everything was fine. And I'll never forget this, it was, it was, I forget what day it was, but we were at the Westin Hotel in LA, it was seven o'clock in the morning, and the Holy Spirit woke me up and he said, your mother needs to go to the ER now. It was 10 o'clock Eastern time. And I was like, whoa, okay. And so I called my sister-in-law and I said, would you just please pick my mom up? And uh, she needs to go to the ER. And so she didn't ask any questions, she said, okay. So she went over and I just called my mom, I said, mom, dress up, you're going to the ER right now. Luckily, we had a couple ER doctors at our church uh, from Englewood, and so I called them and I said, hey, could you please keep a good eye on my mom and just give me an update on what's going on with her? And so she went in for several tests and she was there, and they called me back and they said, it's a really good thing you brought her in. I said, why? They said, your mother had a urinary tract infection, but eventually what happened, because she never got it treated with antibiotics, her blood is now infected. And they said, if you waited longer, she could have died. 
Folks, she stayed in the hospital for five days. My mom had never been in the hospital for five days. That's how bad it got. And I just thank God that he woke me up that morning through the Holy Spirit saying, your mother needs to go to the emergency room. The Holy Spirit advocates the very presence of God to you. But he also speaks the truth found in the word of God. And this is why, you see, for some of you, you know how you read the word and you're just like, I don't know. Like, I, I read it, but it's just, uh. When you read the word and the Holy Spirit helps you to understand deeper truths about Jesus Christ, and it's just amazing because you can read a passage over and over again, and you're like, oh my God, I never saw this. I never saw this before. And that's the beautiful thing. Jesus reminds us in verse 16 of John, again, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Why don't you want that? Wouldn't you want that in your life? Wouldn't you want this gift, this advocate who advocates the presence of God and also speaks the truths of Jesus in your life all the time? Wouldn't you want that? I want it and I hope that you will because we cannot grow as a follower of Jesus Christ. The Christian life is really hard and that's why I think when somebody like, when, when people outside the church, they look at us, I think they just see just a group of people that's just like them. They don't see anyone, they don't see anything different. Right? Like sometimes if somebody ever said to you, hey man, like, like, we're just so similar in every way. And that person doesn't know Jesus? That's not a compliment, guys. Right. <laughs> you shouldn't feel good about that, all right? Because if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you should have a different way of seeing life and being able to engage with people, but especially God. And there should be a power that you sense from the Holy Spirit because he lives inside of you and you're leaning on him all the time because he is your advocate. He advocates the presence of God and the truth of Jesus Christ, all right? So how do we do it then? If, if you now are at a place where you're saying, well, now I wanna engage with the Holy Spirit, how do we do it? It's just one thing that we see in this passage. It's just to love Jesus. If you love Jesus, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Jesus says, he said, I will go before the Father and the Holy Spirit will come upon you and he will never leave you. Look at verse 15. Verse 15, if you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate or parakletos who will never leave you, all right? So in order for you and I to engage with the Holy Spirit, we actually need to love Jesus. Now what's Jesus' love language in this passage? What's his love language? Because everyone's got a love language. Jesus has a love language. What is Jesus' love language here in verse 15? Obedience. That's it, obeying his commandments. If you are willing to live your life wanting to obey the commandments of Jesus Christ, Jesus says, you love me. You really, really love me. You see, you hear the promptings of the Holy Spirit when you and I can love Jesus Christ through obedience. And look what he says also if you jump down to verse 21. Those who accept my commandments accepting them and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not, the one, uh, not to the world at large? Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. If you and I 
really want to engage with the Holy Spirit, it's about loving Jesus. And the way we love Jesus is obeying his commandments. Where's obedience in terms of your priority list? Is it important for you to obey the commandments of Jesus Christ? Is that something that's important to you or do you just sort of see it as, you know, I'll do it when I can and when I feel it, I'll do it. I really think, you know, IJ talked about this, this uh, last Sunday. If, if, you, if you haven't listened to a sermon on grace, you need to. I think the problem with a lot of us, and he said this, he says the antithesis of grace is what? Entitlement. A lot of us, we think obedience is an option, and in many ways, we feel entitled by that. There's this entitlement that we have. We think, well, you know what, I'm just gonna live my life, and, and here's the sad thing and the scary thing about us. We think, well, I'm just gonna live my life the way I wanna live, and if I sin, I'm just gonna ask God to forgive me, and it'll be okay. And we think disobedience is okay. And listen, God will forgive you, but if, if you believe that God's grace is there for you just so that you can sin and live whatever way you want, you are living an entitled Christian life. Because he wants you to try. Why does Jesus want you to obey him so bad? It's not so that you can affirm his kingship. It's not so that he can accept you. I've talked about this many Sundays. God's already accepted you. He's accepted you through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You've all been accepted. We obey him because we have been accepted. That's why we obey him, right? That's a beautiful truth. Jesus wants you to live in obedience. He wants you to obey his commandments because he wants you to live in truth. He doesn't want you to live in lies. He longs to have a relationship with you. Listen, if there is no obedience in a relationship, there is no healthy relationship. You cannot be in a healthy relationship unless there's mutual obedience, Metro. You really can't, right? Can you, can you imagine for just a moment, parents, if you have little ones at home, could you imagine if they never listened to you? They never obeyed you? Like you said, go to sleep. I'm not gonna go to sleep. You know, little kids, they hate taking showers. Like you almost have to like threaten them to take a shower. You say like, it's time to take a shower. I'm not gonna take a shower. Like if, if they disobeyed everything you told them to do, you would question if they love you or not, right? And sometimes wives, I know sometimes you wonder if your husband loves you because you tell them to put the toilet seat down every time after he goes to the bathroom, but they never do it. And you wake up in the middle of the night and you go to the bathroom and you literally fall into the toilet. Right? And you're like, does this guy love me? I've told him tons of times, hundreds and thousands of times, to put the seat down. But he doesn't do it. He doesn't care that I fall in the toilet every night when I have to pee. Obedience is integral in order for there to be a healthy relationship. It just is. You cannot. If you have a friend and you reveal to them, you share something very personal that nobody knows, a secret, and you tell them, please don't tell anyone, but I need to get this off my chest. Could you pray for me? And you tell them, and that friend goes out and he gossips about that? Guess what? He ain't gonna be your friend anymore. Right? And so you realize how important obedience is in order for there to be a healthy relationship. And for so many of us, why isn't it important for God? Because if you want to live in a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you want to encounter the power of the Holy Spirit, why can't we take obedience to be something that's important to us? Something that we truly value in our lives. Because if we can, all right, if we can, remember, and, and we're going to talk about it, God doesn't expect perfection. Because the greatest obedience, honestly, that I think you can be committed to living, is that when you do sin, that you actually confess it. And that you don't just confess it just to God, 
but that you confess it to somebody else. You see, I do believe you guys, we all need to rage war on our sinful nature. The book of Galatians, Paul makes it very clear. He says, you have to choose. You're either gonna choose to live in the spirit or you're gonna choose to live in your sinful nature. Paul says that. You have to make a choice. We all have to make a choice, right? And if we're choosing not to live in the spirit, then you are choosing to live in your sinful nature. And that's a dangerous place to be, right? Because our sinful nature, though we crave it, though we think that we find a lot of pleasure in it, it never leads to true life. And so one of the most important things I think we have to do is this, because like, I don't know, if you're like me, my sinful nature is always at war with my spirit. And I've raged war on my sinful nature. I've raged war on it. I tell my, I tell my sinful nature every day, you are not going to get me down. You are not going to take me down. And you know how I've raged war? I've raged war on it by simply confessing it, not just to God. If you commit a sin and all you do is confess it just to God between you and God, you're not raging war on your sinful nature. you got to confess it in the presence of someone else. That's what Jesus says, when two or more are gathered in my name, I will be there. You'll think twice before you commit anything again. That's critical in order for us to grow so that the advocation of the Holy Spirit can happen so we can advocate the presence of God. It could be a part of our lives and also we can live under the power of his truth. It is so important for us to do that because when we do that, then we're able to connect with God and the Holy Spirit in a deep and powerful way. That's how we love him. Jesus doesn't expect you to be perfect. He certainly doesn't expect you to be sinless. He knows you're gonna sin. But don't, live this entitled life where you take the grace of God to give you permission to sin. And you say, all right, I'm just gonna repent later. I'm just gonna ask God to forgive me. And nobody else knows about it, it's just between, it's just between you and God. Rage war and welcome one or two people that you trust into your life and confess it. I, I, I'm at a place in my life that when I commit a sin, I need to hear my, my close friends that I confess it to, I, I always tell them and I remind them because they forget sometimes, but when they confess to me, I always remind, I always say it. I say, because you've confessed your sins, Jeff, your sins are forgiven. I need to hear that. I need to hear, Peter, because you've confessed your sins, Peter, your sins are forgiven. Because that's not them saying it. Jesus, when two more gathered, I will be there. That's Jesus saying it to me. And that affirms it. And there's a cleansing and a purification I feel in my soul when I can do that. It's so critical for us to rage war on it. Paul says you're either going to choose your spirit or your sinful nature. Jesus says if you really want the Holy Spirit, you've got to love me, and you can't love me unless you obey me. Obedience is so key. Could I just encourage you this week to read John chapter 14 and 16, but also read Matthews 5 through 7. That's the Sermon on the Mount. It's the most famous sermon that Jesus gives to his disciples and it just goes deeper into the commandments that Jesus has for you. Matthew 5 through 7. Make sure you read that and study it and learn the commandments of Jesus Christ. I end with Romans 5, 5. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is to fill your heart with God's love, as he advocates his presence upon you, and as he speaks the very truths of Jesus Christ into your life. Um, one of the things that I think is key for somebody to grow, uh, over the years at Metro, I have discipled a number of people. 
One of the best ways I think in discipleship is not necessarily me teaching a group of people like in a, in a small group and just telling them how they need to live their life. One of the ways in how I really feel people can learn about discipleship for me is actually to live with me and to watch how I live my life, right? And so I've done that with several people in the church before. And uh, about four years ago, Pastor IJ uh, came and lived with me for seven months. And part of that was just that I was like, more than what I say to you, I think you're gonna learn a lot more about how to live sort of like a follower of Jesus Christ by just watching how I live. Because I'm not perfect. You'll see like the good stuff, but you'll see some of the bad stuff. And so before the pandemic, he actually lived with me for about seven months. And we got along great. One of the things I love about IJ is that he's very passionate about food. (laughs) And I am. I mean, we just, we connect so well on the food thing, right? We love eating food together. And one of the things that I told him, I said, is like, because you're going to be living with me for seven months, every Tuesday, we're going to have a time where I'm going to watch how you live. You're going to watch how I live. But I'm going to, I need you to give me permission to speak truth into your life, where I can constantly give you some feedback that I'm seeing that I think you need to grow in, all right? It was great, seven months. Got along great, it was awesome. There were things that I saw, I was bringing stuff up to him and it was really cool. Uh, but then he moved out, of course, and then the pandemic, and he had been living with me for about, you know, for a long time, for about three, months, three years, three, four years or so. And, uh, and so, you know, recently, IJ, I, I promised IJ that I would take him to Las Vegas sushi. It's an all-you-can-eat sushi buffet, it's fantastic. If you love sushi, like sushi rolls, uh, I would highly recommend Las Vegas sushi. And because he loves food, and I love food, I, and I know he loves sushi, I think he would really enjoy it. And so I promised him I would take him, but I'd forgotten that I had never taken him. And he reminded me back earlier in the summer, he said, oh, hey, you know, you never took me to Las Vegas Sushi. And I was like, really? I was like, oh, I'm sorry, all right, I'll take you. And so we finally set a time to go, and he's like, all right, it's, it's on a Wednesday, that's usually my Sabbath, but you know what, it's sushi, I'll just go. And so I said, all right, so we set it, we made an appointment to go, and I was going to take him out and treat him to some sushi. And uh, I know he was really excited about it. Prior to that happening, I started to see some things in IJ that I felt like I needed to bring up areas of growth, right? And so I was like, well, you know, the best time to bring it up is over sushi. I might as well just share it with him over sushi. And so, you know, we went and he was so excited. He goes, man, I worked out extra hard. I need any breakfast. I'm ready to tear these sushis apart, right? And I said, IJ, just don't forget the dessert. They always give you mochi green tea ice cream, man. And he's like, oh, I can't wait. And so we're eating it up. We're enjoying the sushi, just ordering it up. And like midway through it all, I just started sharing with him some things I think, I, I told him, I, these are some things I think you need to work on, bro. Like, these are some areas you need to really grow. And I just saw just him getting so dejected. And he looked so sad. And he stopped eating the sushi. And he stopped ordering more. And I'm like, you know, this is expensive, bro. Like, you can order some more. I know you're maybe at 50% capacity right now. But he didn't want to eat anymore. And then dessert came, and dessert was coming. I'm like, hey, you want the mochi green tea ice cream? And he said no. So I knew I really hurt him, or I messed up his day, because he didn't even want to eat the mochi ice cream. So I knew he was not in a good mood. We left, we departed, and I just thought, you know, I said, hey, listen, think about the things that I told you, and let's just meet up in a month and unpack it. Is that cool? He's like, okay. And so we did, and for that month, I'm going to tell you, just like, you know, I'm, I'm a feeler, so I can sense there's been like this, this wall, right? There's something, and I wasn't sure. And so we got together, we talked it over, and I thought everything was fine. And uh, just 
you know, a couple of weeks later, I'm just praying, and I'm praying for our staff, I'm praying for IJ, and the Holy Spirit just comes and he starts speaking to me, and he says, Peter, you need to go to IJ, and you need to ask him to forgive you. Amen. <laughs> He's back there. I, that's not an amen. I don't know from the spirit, but anyway, okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. So I'm like, oh, what? Like, you know, we have this relationship. He lived with me for seven months. I did this every week to him. Like, what do I have to say? Like, forgive. So he's like, it was his Sabbath. He was looking forward to eating this. And you talked to him about this stuff. You messed up his Sabbath. And I was like, okay. But here's the deeper thing. And this is what I didn't know. And this is why Jesus had to speak his truth to me. He said, it's not that you made him sad. The issue is that he's struggling right now because he feels like he disappointed you. That's the issue. And when he shared that with me, I was like, oh, no, I don't want him to think that. That's the last thing because IJ has never disappointed me. And so during the picnic, remember we had the indoor picnic because it was raining? In between service, I just pulled him aside and I just said, hey, man, like, I just want you to forgive me. Like, I'm sorry, I, I, I brought this stuff up to you on your Sabbath. I shouldn't have done that. Should have used better judgment. But then I said to him, I said, I just want you to know, you've never disappointed me, man. Like, I just share this stuff to you out of love. Because, like, we have this rapport. But I just want you to forgive me. And, I, and if you ever thought that I, you disappointed me, then I'm, I'm really sorry about that. And there was this really, a real tender moment of reconciliation. And I can just see, like, you know, if there was sadness and... God just did something where he just kind of melted both of our hearts. And we were able to get back on the same page and just really be in a very supportive, loving relationship with one another. I've been doing this for 18 years here in this church. I've gone through some ups and downs, Metro. Ministry is hard. It's not easy. I don't know where I would be today if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. I think my staff would hate me because I'll be just doing the things I think is right. But it's those moments when the Holy Spirit can advocate God's truth, Jesus' truth into my life, helping me to see things that I never even thought about. I never thought in a million years that that's what IJ would feel. I never thought that in a million years. And this is why the Holy Spirit is so critical that you cannot live your life properly for God unless you allow the Holy Spirit to be empowered in your life. But that's not going to happen unless you love Jesus through obedience, Amen. obeying his commandments. And so can I ask you today, do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit today? It's yes, you asking the Holy Spirit to come, but what it requires is, a, is this unrelenting commitment to love Jesus by obeying his commandments. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. If you are here today and you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it requires you to make an unrelenting commitment to love Jesus through obedience so that he can continue to speak his truth to you and so that he can guide you through the presence of God. So if you want that, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit come upon you today, that he fills you. But more importantly, that you would be committed to living your life the best you can in obedience. And obedience is you 
not necessarily not falling and sinning, but obedience is you actually, when you do sin, that you invite somebody into your dark little worlds and that you let them be a part of it so that you can rage war on the sinful nature of ours. If that's you today and you, you really want the Spirit to fill you, you want to live under the, the Holy Spirit where He advocates God's presence and truth in your life, I want to pray for you today. So just, if you can, just raise your hand here. Raise it high and I'll be happy to pray for you today before we close. All right, so if there's anyone, please raise your hand. I see. Amen. I see your hands. You can put it down. Thank you. Anyone else? I see your hand. You can put it down. Anyone else? Amen. I see your hand. I see your hand. You can put it down. Anyone else say, Peter, please pray for me so the Spirit could live in my life so I can be filled with the Holy Spirit. I see your hands. You can put it down. Anyone else? Amen. Amen. I see your hands. You can put it down. Yep. Let's pray. God, I, I thank you right now. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would come and those hands that have been raised, I pray right now by the power of your Spirit that you, I, you would fill their hearts. Holy Spirit, that you'd be an advocate of God's presence and truth into their lives. And God, that they would know that living for you is not perfection in terms of obeying your commandments to perfection, but it's doing the best we can because we love you, because we want to pursue a relationship with you, and that we do whatever we can to, to, to rage war on our sinful nature that always tries to take over the spirit that lives within us. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray for a special impartation right now that you would fall upon those people who raise their hands. And God, that you would not only bless them, but that you would use them in their relationships with people in their homes, in their workplaces, wherever they go. God, I pray that you'd help us to long for the Holy Spirit. And I thank you that, you've, Jesus, you taught so clearly what the Holy Spirit's all about. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just continue to make yourself known and that we would be committed to obeying the things that you tell us in terms of the truths of Jesus. So thank you so much, God, for this time. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Amen.